if I swap that paradigm and say, I am all about the result and back myself into the content, everyone might say, no duh, we do this all the time. No, we do not. That is Patrick Jager today on the podcast. Hi, I'm Joel Pilger. Today is Thursday, December 8th. And today I'm interviewing Patrick on the topic of reverse engineering content. That's here on the Rev Thinking Podcast, where we're helping motion design and production studios around the world run a better creative business. Welcome to Rev Thinking. RevThink leverages years of experience and practical wisdom to help owners of top creative studios. So you don't have to choose between following your passion and running your business. Now here's your host, Joel Pilger. Hey, Joel here. Today, I'm talking with Patrick Jager. Now, if Patrick's name sounds familiar to you, it might be because Patrick and I did a podcast a few months ago called Your TV Show Doesn't Belong on TV, which was a very contrarian uh, episode, but ended up being a very popular one, too. So if you haven't heard that episode, I recommend you go back and check it out. It's a really good one. But Patrick's an innovator. Um, He's been in and around the content space for many years. And I've been wanting to pick his brain about how content is changing and especially where the opportunities are these days for content creators. Well, today, here's what we talk about. We talk about how more and more there are content studios being built inside the major corporations. But the question is, what is a content studio? Now, you've also heard it said that, quote, content is king, but Patrick actually argues that that's wrong, and instead he believes that content is currency. And that leads us into a discussion about the big idea, and that is that great content development is a process of reverse engineering, which sounds crazy, but you'll enjoy the conversation. And I also ask, as motion design or as production studios, should we be approaching content development backwards? And if so, how do we actually do that? And finally, we kind of end on this note of, of asking, how might this different approach to content development be an opportunity to approach brands to solve new problems in new ways. All right, that's the list of topic points for today. I hope you enjoy the podcast with Patrick Jager. Patrick, it's good to be with you again for another episode. This is, I think this should just be like, we should do this quarterly. That's not a bad idea. Well, so the podcast that you and I did, I don't know if it was maybe four months ago. Yes. Is definitely one of the most popular of all the episodes that I've done. Oh, that's great to hear. Which is really cool. I've gotten a lot of people who said, wow, that guy was really smart. Did they also say that you and I sound a lot alike and it's hard to tell which one of us is talking? I, no, I haven't got <laughs> I got that we a lot. We, we wear similar shoes, but I hadn't gotten the comment about the voices. Well, I really enjoyed it and I, I got a lot of great comments, so yeah, thank you sure. for that. Well, that's, and so that's a perfect segue to talk about what I wanted to pick your brain about today which is content. The whole backstory, of course, is that over the past couple of days, you and I have had a couple of conversations mm-hmm. and you mentioned a couple of things and I thought, ooh, that's really interesting. And I would love our audience to kind of hear us chew on that. Great. Now, what I'm going to say about you is in your journey from being really steeped in the content world for broadcast, well, cable broadcast, I'm just going to call that television, now working as a consultant, would it be fair to say that you are, gosh, what's the word, content maven? 
uh, expert because you're doing a lot of different things, but content seems to be this thread that's woven through a lot of what you're doing. Yeah, I you know I don't know if I have a word. I really think that I want to be a thought leader for content in a disruptive manner. You know, the whole premise of my company is. How do you get to your 2.0 self? How do you think and influence in ways strategically that allow you to grow into a new direction, into your truly what you're meant to be? And in the content world, I don't think we spend enough time thinking about what is the disruptor? How do we, what, you know, we've done this same thing, Joel. You and I talk about this all the time. Between the two of us, we've been in this business a long time. Yes. And from two very different vantage points, but they meld into the same overarching content lump. And if it's been done the same way over and over and over, how do you do it differently? What is that disruptor? And yeah, that's really what I want to be known for. All right. So here's my first question. And this is just, I'm going to just kind of like tee you up and you'll get where I'm headed with all this. <laughs> okay. Um, content is such a big buzzword and content marketing at a fortune, say 200 company, I would say it's very common that they now have content studios within their walls. Mm -hmm. They've built those. What is, what, what is a content studio in that context? Sure. So I, I would say it's probably not the 200s. It's probably closer to the hundreds. And I think that of those, it's only the B2C brands, not the B2Bs. So, um, Coke, Pepsi, Walmart, um, Marriott's, uh, McDonald's, they all have content studios. And the idea of a content studio is something that is just pre my idea of reverse engineering. And it's that we understand our audience and their needs better than an ad agency does. We understand our, the, our, the needs of our audience more than um, a production company does. Not that they don't use ad agencies and not that they don't use production companies, but the content studio is, is more nimble. They don't have to go through PR steps or this step or an agency brief and all those things. It's a, it's a much more nimble thing. A lot of what they do is outside of the traditional walls of, so the ad agency still does X, they still hire a production company to do commercial Y, but everything outside of that, everything in the Z, they deal with in the content studio. And what's, what's the makeup of the talent generally? Is it writers and producers? Is it directors? Is it editors? Is it social media whiz kids? It's exactly what you and I talk about all the time, hyphenates. It's... Um, slashes. slashes. It's people that come from a myriad of backgrounds, but when you're in a nimble studio, you're going to have to do multiple things. But I think of it this way. You're going to have some people off of social. You're going to have some people out of production. You're going to have some people out of art. Um, and because then they're going to come together, then they're going to push back out. So it's, a, it's much more of a living, breathing exercise than you would get if you went to either the, you know, the siloed agency, siloed production company. All right, so now here's a provocative question. Mm. Okay, because let's say those big companies out there that are below the Fortune 100, mm. so we'll say what, the Fortune 500 or the Fortune 1000 or something like that? I think 1,000. Okay, so we'll say 1,000. They all look, I think, at the big players like the Cokes and the Pepsis and the McDonald's, and they say, we need content. Maybe we need a content studio. So my question is, why is content not the answer? So 
I, I'm going to plug another of my articles. Content is currency, not king. Say that again. Content is currency, not king. Not king. Everyone says content is king. No, it's not. Content is not king. It is currency to be used to get to your ultimate destination. That's what content's job is. This is the whole premise of reverse engineering. For, for in our in our industry, it's content begets distribution platform begets audience. Okay. Right? Yep. That's what we've always done. That's our classic. That's model. our classic model. Yep. Of it doesn't matter what part of the industry you're in. I want to throw that on its head. If we're truly going to be disruptive, let's throw that on the head. Where content is not the first in line, but the last in line. The first thing is, what is the end result we're trying to get to? What do we get? What is our return that we're trying to get? The investment we're trying to get from people. What is that emotional connectivity? Okay. Second then comes, who is that that's giving us that? How are they getting that from us? Meaning what distribution, distribution. channel? Okay. And now that we know all this, what, should, what would be appealing to get that end result? Content should not be the head. Content should be the tail. Which is, yeah, which is a really weird backwards way to explain it because as I sit here and process it myself, I'm almost going, wait, what? <laughs> all right. Here's why I think you can say that. I can promise you that if you create content and distribute it, you will get a result. What I cannot promise you is that you will get the results you actually predicted you wanted. If I swap that paradigm and say, I am all about the result and back myself into the content, everyone might say, no duh, we do this all the time. No, we do not. We do the following. If we're an ad agency, we answer an RFP. Here's what we need from you. So the client has already said what they need, but they, no one went to the 30,000 foot level and said, have we really dove in to what it is that we viscerally want, that, that we tangibly want and work our way backwards? So it sounds like maybe the classic premise is, well, if we create content, we will, and we push out through this distribution, we will get this audience and we will get this result is actually based on a giant assumption. And your argument is why assume, why not just define the result you want and then reverse engineer, is that your word totally, for it? Totally, totally. And so forth. Let's, let's use some examples. Let's, let's dive let's into an example. Name a company. We talked about a ton the other day. Yes, okay, because, and the reason I want to name an example too that's exciting is I want my audience to start saying, oh, wait a minute, we're in the content business. We might create commercials and promos and whatnot, but that sounds like an opportunity for us. Mm -hmm. So that, I want that to be our context. So let's see, we talked about Chipotle as an example. That's a perfect right? one. That's the, a perfect the one. taco and burrito uh, chain Ch that we all love. Chipotle. Love. <laughs> Based here in Based Denver. Based here in Denver, so, it, yes. is, it is in dire need of content, of a rebrand. Um, and, and it's in dire need of a paradigm shift. So if you're going, if you are a content provider, you're going to look at Chipotle and you're going to think in whatever bucket you're in, promo, commercial, digital, right. OTT, linear, whatever it is, you're going to think about your bucket and say, hey, do I have an idea for you? 
and this is why this is going to be great. We're going to distribute it through your YouTube, and we're going to do and we're going to do an SEO strategy that has a PPC, and we're going to do all this stuff, and that, that's how we're going to reach out, and we're going to do it through your social media. How many of us have said that? All of us. All of us have said that. Okay, that's great. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's going to look really pretty. Well, that's content. That's content creating the need, driving the train. Correct. Yeah. Instead of saying, here's an audience that we need to target, we need to rearrange the way that people are thinking about Chipotle. And what we're really finding is we need to address, I, I as the head of Chipotle, see these seven statements coming over and over and over and over through our feeds, through letters. Those seven statements are exactly what we need to address. And, and rather than saying, Rather than saying, great, let's create content and we're going to create an SEO strategy around that and we're going to do content that's just about that. No. What are those seven messages saying? Who is saying it? Demographically, sociographically, um, location. What are they saying it on? More importantly, what medias are they using? You can find all that out. We can micro-target everyone and find out everything. Yeah, yeah. Once we know that, how do we... What can we craft that makes sense organically for that platform? None of us as content creators have ever taken the time to really go through this exercise because we're not paid to. We're not paid to do it. Right, because we're masters of a certain craft that we love and we adore, right? So we, we don't think of solving that part of the problem. It's sort of the classic what, you know, I think criticism that advertising agencies have fallen prey to over the years and that is they create a bunch of amazing stuff and then did it get the result well maybe i remember my you know when i ran impossible pictures production company we were doing big national spots for guys like dish network and stuff like that and i always wondered did it actually work right was there an roi or was it a vanity play and and it's so hard because you you put so much money and effort into the beginning of the process and then at the end, you're just kind of wondering, well, we sent 100 or 200 or thousands of pieces of content and whatnot out there, and it sort of worked. Like, they got some new subscribers, so I guess it worked. You know, and, and people will say that all the time with Linear. They'll say, well, you know, you know because you see the ratings. Ratings does not a hit make. Right. Ratings does not. Like, I did a show for Travel Channel that didn't do great in the ratings but was a brand darling. So it stayed around for much longer than it probably should have because it was a brand, darling. But because the brands saw the potential of it. But again, it's we have a we've already created it. Why don't you join on? Versus the opposite. Even linear has to do this. Versus the opposite, saying, "Hey, brand, I know you want to do something on on our network. Who are you trying to reach? How are they best reached?" through whom, now let's do it. Instead right. of saying, hey, we're a network, here's the talent, we'll package with it, we're gonna give you 30 minutes, it's gonna be in this format. Well, that's great, but are they, is a brand gonna see a return on that? The answer right. is no. Right. No, it's a, it's a total guess. No. And, most, and a guess means most of the time yeah. you lose. So in the example of Chipotle, let's say I run a production company, mm-hmm. or a motion design studio, or something like that. What's the opportunity Right? Because if Chipotle is saying, maybe we need a content studio, well, obviously, I'm going to go and knock on their door and go, I make great content, right? Right. But I don't want to make the mistake of going in and answering the question with the wrong answer. Right, right. I, 
I know exactly what you're saying because the, <clears throat> the reality is you can't be all things to all people. Right. Very few people can. And um, let's face it, creative studios are not great at data, <laughs> analytics, all this, you know. Or even the macro. I mean, most yeah. creatives haven't also been in marketing and PR and business development and media. network and medium. And, yeah. you know, like the, it's, it, it's a bigger puzzle. So what I would say is if you're going to approach a brand and say, I think you, you feel like you're in the cusp of wanting to be a content provider and be able to explain to them what that means, be able to give them the definition and give them examples of, of great bigger brands that are already doing it, which always makes brands excited to see that others are already sure. paving the way. Sure. Um, then I think that it's very incumbent upon them that they have, that they bring in the resources to be able to do the esoteric work. So you mean the studio that approaches mm -hmm. the brand and mm -hmm. says, hey, we can be your content studio. Right. So what do you mean by esoteric? They need, they need to have the person, they need to have someone in their group that can actually make, make the case and understand the 30,000 foot level. Right. Because you have to go in, and because this is the problem. Everyone goes in and says, I'm going to be your content studio. I'm going to make great content. Well, no, you're going to make great content that you already are making. You're not going to be stretched to think about uh, what's the you know what's the organic platform for this and who exactly like you said demographics and sociographics and all the research that has to be done. But also, it takes a lot of humility to go in and say, you know what, what I've produced you in the past isn't hitting the mark, and and I want to rethink how to do this. You have to be able to go in and be humble and say, I might even come up with ideas as your content studio provider yeah. that I can't fulfill. And that also may be a call to the guy or gal running the studio to say, you need to escalate the conversation. Like, you're not an order taker. You need to have a conversation with the SVP, not yes. just the VP, right? Or whatever that means. Agreed. To say, I got to go up the food chain because I really want to solve a bigger problem that I don't think they're solving right now. And, it's, and, it, and the, the return is... You're already doing traditional. You're already doing these silos. But I would venture to guess that if you take X and Y, Z is a bigger piece of the pie that you're not addressing because these are, you know, agency might be your um, holiday campaign or your specific promotional piece that you're doing. Your content provider might be doing behind the scenes stuff or digital things for your YouTube channel. But everybody's doing those same things. and. It's a very cluttered marketplace. So if you want to do something unique and you want to do something different, there's this whole Z opportunity. I'll give you another example. I'm going to go higher up the food chain in, in, in companies. I'm going to go to my favorite car company. This is not a plug, Porsche. So Porsche, you know, because several of the uh, uh, I have heard that several of the um, automakers have have or are creating content studios. Makes a ton of sense. Sure. Um, I mean, they're behemoths. They can do it. So Porsche. Porsche actually has its largest market in North America per capita. Um, Porsche, though, if you think about Porsche, you think about Porsche from a certain age range and a, th a certain socioeconomic. Now, socioeconomically, it is an expensive car, but there are all kinds of reasons why younger demographics are trying to become, Porsche would like them to become in their in their model, right? 
So if you use that as a premise, how do you reach them? Well, a content studio would say, we should do a really kick-ass VR piece, or we should do that, you know, it's all the to toys. I, we, we just did this project for another company on a red that was just smoking, and we should do that, or no, it's gonna be all GoPro, and it's gonna be this thing. Okay, that is industry ex deciding what's important for Porsche. Porsche doesn't really even know what's important for Porsche in terms of looking outside of what their comfort zone is, right? Sure. Yeah. So the, 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 the reverse engineering approach is saying, we want to work with you and we're going to work with your in-house team in your marketing department, in your research department to really analyze who it is you're trying to get and look at them organically and what they're doing. And then we're going to pull out to a proposal on exactly what type of content works for them on the right platforms that doesn't look like anything else Porsche is doing. So with both of these examples... Uh, whether a Chipotle or a Porsche, just net it out for us. What's the real problem we're solving the with, with content? The real problem we're solving is that content as we have defined it is a finite market. If you want to go into a new market, you have to think in a disruptive new way. And to do that, you have to look for those pockets that have not been fished. You have to look for those pieces of their business that the client themselves doesn't even realize they're lacking. And you have to do it with a confidence that says, we have to make the consumer, because this is B2C brands we're talking. Right. We have to make the consumer not just part of, but the center of what we create. We don't want to push content at them. We need content that organically pulls out to them, through them, with them. That's what a content studio model is. Advertising has its place. Behind the scenes or digital content has its place. But if you really want something that is organically inclusive, be disruptive. Try something different. But to do it, two, two words of caution. Don't go in full cock that you know what you're doing figure out the partners that you need locally or nationally that can actually help resonate this with you. Because if you've been doing content for 30 years, you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to this, trust me. I've just spent two years of my life doing nothing but research on this because I didn't know this. So that's number one. Number two is think about who these brands are. Do not go after a brand that has a, let's say, $150,000 budget, that's all they have. And that has to be for development, production, and distribution. That's why we're talking about the Fortune 1000. These need to be the types of brands that you already know, that you can get to, that are gonna understand that this is a return on investment that's gonna take investment. Because if all you're doing is creating the content and it can't be utilized correctly per the plan, then you've just lost the money. Well, I love what you said about disruption because I think that's a word that we all like to say, yeah, I want to be disruptive. I want to be on the forefront of disruption. But really, by definition, it means you are reinventing the wheel. You are not an expert. Like Nobody's an expert at disruption, so you might as well be honest and say, we're going to go discover and learn right. and adapt and create something new. Right. To that end, you cannot grow in your comfort zone. If you're a content studio or if you are any of your clients, quite frankly, any of your audience, yeah. 
If you've done what you do, your emotion house, your whatever, that's your comfort zone. That's what you do. If you want to grow disruptively, you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to be in that uncomfortable place where you don't know what you're doing. But then you better learn and you better do it right because it is changing. I mean, the, the marketplace, you can stay doing what you're doing, but if you really want to grow, you're not going to grow substantially in your same world outside of what it is you're doing. If you really, and this is not for everyone, Joel, you and I talk about this. This is not for everybody. Not everybody has this type of DNA. Yeah, I'm reminded of a saying, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Look at you. Fancy. <laughs> Fancy way to end it, Joel. Well, thanks for being on the podcast again. We'll look forward to doing this again, hopefully uh, next quarter. Love it. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for listening to Rev Thinking. For more insights on running your creative studio or to ask us a question, visit RevThink.com.